Hello again. I am back for another installment of Special Counsel Her's report on buying classified document scandal. Just got back from the park, took my human pups and my canine pups to the park, and uh, they ran around and acted stupid and made each other cry and also had a lot of fun and kicked the ball around and threw a frisbee and all sorts of good stuff. It was great. And now they're all worn out. And the dogs are asleep, uh, or at least they should be. And uh, the kids are having snacks and relaxing. So I'm going to record another installment here, um, as I was hoping to do earlier. And let's keep tearing through the her report. Thank you guys for all your support uh, and all the upvotes. Really appreciate it. If um, you are enjoying this coverage, this reading of the her report, please hit the thumbs up on Rumble. And if you would, if you want a sub, if you want a podcast version of it, go to my Substack, justhuman.substack.com, and you can sign up for free and get the podcast for free. Or you can do a paid subscription if you're so inclined. You can also keep my coffee cup full by going to ko-fi.com and buying me a cup of coffee. You can keep your life extra sweet and healthy by getting some Benson honey. From Benson Honey Farms, use the affiliate link in the description or off of my link tree. And whatever you purchase over there, they'll kick a few dollars my way. Bootleg products, if you guys like to cook at home, um, you know, if you like chili, salsa, sauces, steak rubs, taco seasoning, fajita seasoning, all sorts of things, bootleg is the place to go. All natural ingredients, no junk in it. It's just straight up good food, good seasonings. Manly cans, if you need to get a gift for someone. Merch, if you would like some merch. And Venmo, if you just want to buy me a coffee directly. So, really appreciate all you guys' support. You guys make it possible and keep me motivated. The documents also keep me motivated, though. And that's why you guys are here. So, Chapter 12 is where we are at. All right. Chapter 12, Analysis of the Evidence, Classified Notebooks. There is evidence that when Mr. Biden left office in 2017, he willfully retained his classified notebooks. That is, he knew he kept classified information in notebooks stored in his house, and he knew he was not allowed to do so. There is also evidence that Mr. Biden willfully disclosed classified information in his notebooks to his ghostwriter by reading it aloud to him. We conclude that this evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. We therefore decline prosecution of Mr. Biden based on his retention of his notebooks and disclosure of information in them. 1. Willful Intent Part A. There is evidence that Mr. Biden retained the classified notebooks, knowing he was not allowed to do so. As with the classified Afghanistan documents, there is evidence that Mr. Biden kept his notebooks after his vice presidency, knowing they were classified and he was not allowed to have them. The evidence shows convincingly that Mr. Biden knew the notebooks as a whole contained classified information. For eight years, he wrote in his notebooks about classified information during classified briefings in the White House Situation Room and elsewhere. He was familiar with the notebook's contents, which included obviously classified information. When reviewing the notebooks with Zwanitzer, Mr. Biden sometimes read aloud classified notes verbatim but he also sometimes appeared to skip over classified information. And he warned Zwanitzer 
that the material in the notebooks could be classified. Mr. Biden also stored the notebooks in a classified safe in the White House for a time as vice president because the notebooks were classified. In Mr. Biden's written answers to questions from our office, he called into question whether he knew the information in his notebooks was classified. In those answers, Mr. Biden explained that when he described material in his notebooks to Zwanitzer as classified, he did not actually mean classified. According to Mr. Biden, quote, I may have used the word classified with, with Mr. Zwanitzer in a generic sense to refer not to the formal classification of national security information, but to sensitive or private topics to ensure that Mr. Zwanitzer would not write about them. Mr. Biden qualified this answer by explaining, quote, I do not recall the specific conversations you referenced with Mr. Zwanitzer, which took place more than six years ago. This explanation that classified does not mean classified is not credible. At the time Mr. Biden met Zwanitzer, Mr. Biden had nearly 50 years of experience with dealing with classified information, including as a member of the Senate Selectant Committee on Intelligence, a member and chairman of the Senate Committee on the Judiciary, a member and the chairman of the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations, and vice president of the United States. It is not plausible that a person with his knowledge and experience used the term classified in this context as a euphemism for private. Mr. Biden's expl expl <laughs> explanation is even less credible in light of his actual words to Zwanitzer. As described below, among the times Mr. Biden spoke to Zwanitzer about classified information was when Mr. Biden handed Zwanitzer a notebook entry about a National Security Council meeting in the Situation Room and asked if Mr. Zwanitzer could read Mr. Biden's handwriting. Mr. Biden warns Zwanitzer, quote, some of this may be classified, so be careful. I'm not sure. It isn't marked classified, but. This is not a reference to merely private material. In this context, when a former official of Mr. Biden's stature and experience warns someone without a security clearance to, quote, be careful, because some information, quote, may be classified, and then refers to, quote, marked classified material, the former official is talking about classified national security information. The evidence shows that Mr. Biden knew his notebooks contained such information. There is also evidence that Mr. Biden knew he could not keep classified handwritten notes unsecured at home after his time as vice president. Again, folks, keep Trump in mind. Keep Trump's docs case in mind while you're reading this. And think about how what's happening here is helpful to Trump narratively and also lawfully, uh, legally helpful to him. Mr. Biden knew the purpose of classified handling rules to prevent unauthorized disclosure of our nation's secrets. The basic principles of the system that protect classified information should be clear to anyone who understand, understands why it is necessary to protect such material in the first place. Information is classified only if it's unauthorized disclosure, quote, reasonably could be expected to cause damage to national security. To prevent such disclosures, people who access classified information must store it in authorized secure places. And if classified information is disclosed, for example, to a foreign adversary, it can damage national security whether it is typewritten or handwritten. These principles are familiar, even obvious, 
to anyone with experience handling classified information, and they have long been enshrined in the legal and policy regime used to safeguard our nation's secrets. That regime requires, or regimen, eh, regime, that regime requires classified information to be safeguarded properly, whether it is written by hand or typed on a keyboard. As noted above, when Mr. Biden left office in 2017, he had nearly 50 years of experience with classified information, including eight years in the second highest position in the executive branch. He was deeply familiar with measures taken to safeguard classified information and the reasons for them. As Ron Klain, one of Mr. Biden's closest aides, explained, Mr. Biden, quote, had traveled the world, he knew the risk that men and women were taking together this information, and felt a great deal of responsibility about it, end quote. And John McGrail, Mr. Biden's top lawyer at the end of the Obama administration, said he would be, quote, surprised if Mr. Biden intentionally took classified materials home because he well knew from extensive government experience that disclosure, quote, can harm sources and methods and the national security interest of the United States. Part two, Mr. Biden's public statements show he knew the restrictions on handling classified information after leaving office. Mr. Biden's public statements show he knew classified information must be safeguarded to protect intelligence, sources, and methods. As Mr. Biden has put it, quote, people know I take classified, this isn't Biden's own words, People know I take classified documents and classified information seriously. In a September 2022 interview with CBS, Mr. Biden said the following in response to a question about the marked classified documents allegedly found in Mr. Trump's private home. Reporter, when you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? Mr. Biden, how that could possibly happen. How one, anyone, could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped or etc. And it just totally, it's totally irresponsible. Mr. Biden's emphatic and unqualified conclusion that keeping marked classified documents unsecured in one's home is, quote, totally irresponsible because it may compromise sources and methods applies equally to his own decision to keep his notebooks at home in unlocked and unauthorized containers. Boom. The notebooks, like the marked documents, contained classified information, the unauthorized disclosure of which could compromise intelligence sources and methods and damage national security. And Mr. Biden's public statements during his vice presidency and after demonstrate that he understands classified information not merely marked classified documents, is what must be protected. These statements undercut his purported belief that he could lawfully retain the classified information in his notebooks. We have another quote here. I'm not going to click on this link. I'd be careful. Don't click on the footnote, Kyle. During a vice presidential debate in October 2012, Mr. Biden asserted that he had to be careful about safeguarding classified information when he said, quote, with regard to the ability of the United States to take action militarily, it is, it is not in my purview to talk about classified information. Mr. Biden also public, has also publicly acknowledged limits on how he may properly handle classified information in his home, even as a sitting president. In August 2022, he told reporters, the reporter said, 
Mr. Bi Mr. President, in simple terms, is it ever appropriate for a president to take home with them classified and top secret documents? Mr. Biden. Depending on the circumstance, for example, I have in my home a cabined off space that is completely secure. I'm taking home with me today's presidential daily brief. It's locked. I have a person with me, military with me. I read it. I lock it back. I read it. I lock it back up and give it to the military. Reporter. Without a specialized area in which you can declassify documents, is it ever appropriate for a president to bring classified and top secret documents home with them? Mr. Biden. It depends on the document and it depends on how secure the room is. These are remarks. These are remarks from the White House, August 26, 2022. If Mr. Biden thought in 2022 that he was obligated to keep the presidential daily brief secured in his home as a sitting president, he should have known in 2017 that as a former vice president and a private citizen, he was not permitted to keep handwritten notes about the president's daily brief and other classified information in unlocked drawers in his home. Part three, as vice president, Mr. Biden received advice from staff about the need to secure classified notes properly. Mr. Biden received advice from his staff about the need to secure classified information in the form of notes. In 2011, his first counsel to the vice president, Cynthia Hogan, advised him in writing that classified notes generated in the context of discussions with a historian, quote, must be maintained in secure safes and, quote, stored in a secure facility. As vice president, Mr. Biden stored his classified notebooks in a safe, at least for a time, in contrast with his decision after leaving office to keep the notebooks at home in unlocked and unauthorized drawers. Part four. After his vice presidency, Mr. Biden stored his classified note cards in a skiff, but kept his classified notebooks in unlocked drawers at home. When Mr. Biden left office, he knew his staff decided to keep his classified note cards in a skiff at the National Archives, and he knew his notebooks contained the same type of classified information. As he told his ghostwriter during a recorded interview in October 2016, the same staff who eventually arranged for careful storage of his classified note cards in an archive skiff, quote, didn't even know. He also had possession of his notebooks, which he simply took home without informing his staff. After his vice presidency, Mr. Biden was reminded twice more that his classified notes should be secured in a skiff. On each of the two days in 2017, when he visited the archive skiff to review his note cards in writing in his book. The form he was required to sign at the archives made clear he was accessing classified information that could not leave the skiff and that he had ongoing obligations to protect this information. At the end of his first visit, archive staff asked to see the notes he had taken during his review of the note cards to ensure he was not removing and mishandling classified information. It should have been clear to Mr. Biden that not only were his classified note cards required to be in a skiff, he also could not take classified notes about those note cards home with him. And by extension, he could not keep any classified notes at home at all. Part five, Mr. Biden had strong motivations to ignore proper procedures for safeguarding his classified notebooks. Finally, Mr. Biden had strong motivations to ignore the proper procedures for safeguarding the classified information in his notebooks. He decided months before leaving office to write a book and began meeting with his ghostwriter while still vice president. After his vice presidency, 
the notebooks continued to be an invaluable resource that he consulted liberally. During hours of recorded interviews in which he read aloud from his notebooks in his private home, Mr. Biden provided raw material to his ghostwriter detailing meetings and events that would be of interest to prospective readers and buyers of his book. He also likely viewed the notebooks, like the marked classified documents related to Afghanistan recovered from his garage, as an irreplaceable contemporaneous record of some sort or of some of the most important moments of his vice presidency. This record was valuable for him for many reasons, including to help defend his record and buttress his legacy as a world leader. I mean, that's really what's going on here, I think. Like, I know there's a lot of allegations that he's uh, in conjecture that Biden kept this stuff because he was selling access to it. I, I really don't think so. At least not the stuff that we've... Is it possible? Yes. But of the stuff we know of, the nature of the classified material that we know of, I'm not sure how much of it people would have been buying. And I we haven't seen the evidence that he was distributing it in some way. I really think what her, the, the classified information that um, her has talked about so far in this report, and we may, my opinion may change later on in this document, we have 150 pages to go. But so far, my impression is that what he did, why he kept this stuff was for his own sake and his own um, legacy. Uh, he, he aggrandizement. He, he wanted to keep this material because he thinks of himself very, very highly. And he wanted to keep these personal records because they're records of him advocating for his positions on, on foreign policy and other things. And, um, he wanted to, he wants to show history. He wants to go down in history as a great president and great vice president who agreed with Obama on key things and disagreed with Obama on key things. Um, I think it's all very narcissistic and self-serving. I don't think it has to do with um, at least what we what's come up in this report. I don't think it has to do with him selling access to this stuff. Um, one because one that we haven't seen any evidence of it. Two, I don't think what he kept is actually anybody would be interested in buying. Um, but of course we don't know specifics. Maybe they would be, but. I don't really, I don't think so. All right, part B. The evidence does not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Mr. Biden willfully retained the notebooks. We do not believe this evidence would meet the government's burden at trial to prove Mr. Biden knew his handling of the notebooks broke the law. We expect Mr. Biden's defense would be that he thought his notebooks were his personal property and that he was allowed to take them home after his vice presidency even if they contained classified information. Enough evidence supports this defense to establish reasonable doubt. Likely so, guys. Likely so. I know a lot of folks probably don't agree with that, but part of, part of proving this crime is the intentionality element, the willful element. And it would be very difficult to prove he willfully broke the law when so many vice presidents and presidents before him and current ones, recent ones engaged in the exact same behavior. Um, it would be difficult. First, we expect Mr. Biden to offer direct evidence that he believed he was entitled to take the notebooks home. During his interview with the special counsel's office, Mr. Biden was emphatic 
declaring that his notebooks are, quote, my property. Trump has also done similarly. And that, quote, every president before me has done the exact same thing. He's correct about that. That is, kept handwritten materials after his term in office, even if they contain classified material. He also specifically cited the diaries President Reagan kept while in office, noting that they included classified information. Mr. Biden repeated this theme in his answers to our questions, writing that, quote, like presidents and vice presidents before me, I understand these notes to be my personal property. At trial, we expect Mr. Biden to offer similar evidence of his subjective understanding. Such evidence would be admissible as to the element of willfulness. Just like I said, I'm glad, I'm glad. It's almost like by now, episode 250, I almost know what I'm talking about, guys. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Which requires proof that Mr. Biden acted with intent to do something the law forbids. Now, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So what's good for Biden here in this context is also good for Trump. So understanding is greater than reacting. This is actually what we want out of the special counsel HERS report. As counterintuitive as that may seem. Let's not be like, I, and I mean, this is a general comment, but I think, I think it's well advised. Um, let's not be deranged into a mode of operation of view, a disposition of we have to get Biden that is similar to the way the left is deranged with their get Trump syndrome. Let's not have the same sickness just from the opposite side. Uh, let's go by facts and evidence and reasonableness. Um, that's, that's where we need to be. Because otherwise we'll end up falling for this. We'll end up falling for Matador's cloaks that come from, from the left. All right. And we expect the evidence of Mr. Biden's state of mind to be compelling, clear, forceful testimony that he did in fact believe he was allowed to have the notebooks, just like Trump believes he's allowed to have some of the stuff he took. While the government could question this testimony's veracity as a convenient answer, perhaps suggested by his attorneys after the discovery of his classified notebooks, such a suggestion lacks evidentiary support, and Mr. Biden's testimony will likely carry significant weight with many jurors. The government could also question the veracity of Mr. Biden's testimony by introducing evidence that he appears to have come to and acted on the belief that he could take home classified notes entirely on his own, without the advice or knowledge of any of his staff, including the counsel to the vice president, John McGrail. Based on the evidence we found, Mr. Biden appears to have consulted no one on this significant question. One of the witnesses we interviewed recalled Mr. Biden mentioning that he intended to, intended to take his classified notebooks home or that he believed he was permitted to do so, even during conversations in which McGrail told Mr. Biden that all of Mr. Biden's records, including all of his notes, would be sent to the National Archives. When interviewed, McGrail recalled that Mr. Biden, quote, understood why his documents were going to the National Archives. He understood it and accepted it. McGrail also told us the following. First, Mr. Biden never told McGrail that he was retaining any notes he took while vice president. McGrail said Mr. Biden understood the approach of sending all his records to the National Archives so the archivist could separate presidential records from the rest. Second, Mr. Biden never told McGrail that he was retaining any classified notes 
McGrail said he would have expected that to be part of the conversation he had with Mr. Biden about the handling of his notes. Third, McGrail never advised Mr. Biden that he could bring home classified material of any kind. Indeed, McGrail said he would be surprised to learn that Mr. Biden took classified materials home, even personal notes, knowing they were classified because, one, that would have been inconsistent with everything that we were killing ourselves trying to accomplish, end quote. Two, he knows his home is not a skiff. And three, as former chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Mr. Biden knew that classified information cannot be stored outside of a secure facility because its disclosure can harm national security and compromise intelligence sources and methods. Fourth, McGrail never spoke to Mr. Biden or anyone else about the Reagan diaries or historical practices of presidents taking home classified diaries or other materials. All that said, we expect Mr. Biden's defense at trial to remain fairly simple. According to McGrail, the only thing he recalls telling Mr. Biden about the disposition of his records was that all his records would go to the National Archives after the administration to separate personal from presidential records. McGrail says he never spoke to Mr. Biden about classified notes or how they should be stored. From this, Mr. Biden will likely claim that McGrail outlined a cautious arrangement, not a legal requirement, to treat all his records as presidential records until the archives could sort out what was personal. But Mr. Biden will likely say he never believed his notebooks, which he thought of as his personal diaries, fell within that arrangement. He treated the notebooks markedly differently from the rest of his notes and other presidential records throughout his vice presidency. For example, allowing staff to store and review his note cards, but not his notebooks. This treatment, he will argue, and the extremely personal content of some of the notebooks shows that he considered them to be his personal property. Mr. Biden's notebooks included gut-wrenching passages about his son's death and other highly personal material. His claim that he believed he did not need to send what he considered to be his personal diary to be stored at a government facility will likely appeal to some jurors. We expect Mr. Biden also will contend that the presence of the classified information in what he viewed as his personal diary did not change his thinking. As a member of the exclusive club of former presidents and vice presidents, Mr. Biden will claim that he knew such officials kept diaries, and he knew or expected that those diaries, like Reagan's, like Reagan's contained classified information. He also understood that former presidents and vice presidents took their diaries home upon leaving office without being investigated or prosecuted for it until Trump. Thus, whatever McGrail now thinks of the matter, Mr. Biden will claim that it did not occur to him to store what he thought of as his personal diaries, which he held close for eight years, at the National Archives, and he certainly did not know that by failing to do so, he committed a crime. Contemporaneous evidence from immediately after the vice presidency supports this defense. In a recorded conversation with Zwanitzer on April 26, 2017, three months after leaving office, Mr. Biden said the following. Mr. Biden, I'm told by a personal aide, I guess he checked with you, in order for me to get my um, get all those presidential notes I had for lunch, the luncheon meetings, I have to go to McGrail? Assistant, yes, McGrail has them. We were supposed to turn it in, and that is the last person who had them. Mr. Biden, okay, huh. See if you can get me McGrail on the line while I have you now, okay? And, and stay on, okay? 
Got it, sir. Hold on. It's one answer. This is probably something that goes to the presidential papers. Mr. Biden, I don't think so. It was in between. I didn't want to turn them in. Swan answer, right. So it's the gray area. This exchange concerned Mr. Biden's handwritten note cards, which, like his notebooks, addressed both personal and official matters, and which also contained classified information. The evidence suggests, as explained above, that McGrail decided the classified note cards should be stored at the National Archives after the administration with Mr. Biden telling Zwanitzer he did not want to do so. But when Zwanitzer suggested that the note cards might be presidential papers, that is, presidential records that are required by law to be stored at the National Archives, Mr. Biden disagreed. Mr. Biden explained that he did not think he was required to turn in the note cards and that he did not want to do so, or that he had not wanted to do so. One interpretation of this exchange that the evidence permits is that while Mr. Biden followed McGrail's advice to store the classified note cards in a skiff at the archives, he did not believe he was required to, and he thought that at most the note cards fell into an in-between or gray area. Indeed, when interviewed, McGrail recalled that he advised Mr. Biden to turn over all his records, quote, whether personal or not, to the National Archives. McGrail's advice was premised on a desire to avoid taking a constrained view of the Presidential Records Act requirements, as McGrail believed former Vice President Dick Cheney had, had, and the understanding that archivists would review Mr. Biden's notes and separate presidential records from the rest. McGrail also said he believed that the notes were to be stored in a skiff at the archives due to their general sensitivity, not because they were classified. At trial, Mr. Biden would argue that the 2017's one into recording is the best evidence of what he believed after the vice presidency, and it shows he did not believe he was legally required to store his note cards at the archives, and that he thought the same about his notebooks. In this way, the Zwanitzer recording dovetails with Mr. Biden's expected defense at trial that the Presidential Records Act defined his notebooks and his personal, as his personal property, and that the act authorized him to keep these notebooks in his home, even if they contained classified information. That Mr. Biden was mistaken in his legal judgment is not enough to prove he acted willfully, which requires intent to do something the law forbids. The defense will buttress these claims by contending that other credible authorities, including at least one former president and the Department of Justice, also have concluded that a former president may keep handwritten notes even if they contain classified information. As discussed in Chapter 10, the clearest historical example is President Reagan, who left the White House in 1989 with eight years' worth of handwritten diaries, which he kept at his private home in California. The Reagan diaries contained classified information such as entries recounting National Security Council meetings and referencing highly sensitive intelligence sources and methods, including human sources and signals intelligence. Some entries that address sensitive subjects included descriptions such as top secret and very hush-hush, and some entries remained classified top secret as of 2007, decades after Mr. Reagan wrote them. As we also describe in Chapter 10, during the Poindexter litigation in 1989 and 1990, after Mr. Reagan's presidency, the Department of Justice took the position in public, in a public court filings, that the diaries were both currently classified and Mr. Reagan's personal, personal records that were not in the archives' possession. In a latter written order, 
uh, a later written order, the district court, after conducting an in-camera review of diary excer excerpts, described the diaries as containing, quote, classified and highly sensitive information, including an entry about, quote, a certain top secret and extremely sensitive activity. After these legal declarations by the department and the court, the classified diaries remained in Mr. Reagan's private home for another 15 years until he died in 2004. And even though the Department of Justice publicly acknowledged that Mr. Reagan treated the diaries as his personal records and they were not in the possession of the National Archives, to our knowledge, neither the department nor anyone else sought the diaries' return, sought the diaries' return, or initiated a criminal investigation. In short, there will be evidence at trial that at least one former president did what Mr. Biden now claims it was proper for him to do, do to take his diaries home after leaving the White House, even though the diaries contained classified information. As indicated by letters we have received from the White House counsel's office and Mr. Biden's personal attorneys, the defense will argue that the Department of Justice blessed this view in Mr. Reagan's case by stating in public filings that the diaries were both classified and Mr. Reagan's personal records, and by taking no recovery or enforcement action. Most jurors would likely find this precedent and Mr. Biden's claimed reliance on it, evidence of which we expect would be admitted at trial, to be compelling evidence that Mr. Biden did not act willfully. The government could reply that, including perhaps, that former presidents have Secret Service protection indefinitely after leaving office, or simply that officials at the department did not realize Mr. Reagan stored his diaries at home. The relevant executive order and controlling regulations require former presidents and vice presidents to store classified information in a secured location after their time in office. While we agree with this statement of the law, and we recognize that the, that Reagan's, the Reagan precedent is from a different era with a different legal landscape, we think jurors assessing Mr. Biden's guilt and intent will be persuaded less by what the government says in executive orders and agency regulations, and more by what the government actually has done or not done by way of enforcement among the small group of former presidents and vice presidents. Many jurors would conclude that, given the department's treatment of Mr. Reagan, who kept his classified diaries for more than a decade before his death, it would have been plausible for Mr. Biden to believe he could properly keep his classified notebooks, citing the relevant sources and law likely, would not sway such jurors from this conclusion. <coughs> Pardon me, I see a footnote I want to go to. Okay. This one here cites the case against Trump and Executive Order 13.526, and it says, It is not clear that the presence of Secret Service agents materially enhances the level of protection afforded to classified materials. Agents were interviewed, agents we interviewed, said they focus on the protection of persons, not documents, and they do not monitor the movement of or access to documents. Makes sense. We also believe some of the same evidence that supports reasonable doubt for the classified Afghanistan documents also supports a reasonable doubt for the notebooks, including Mr. Biden's cooperation with the investigation, his diminished faculties in advancing age, 
and his sympathetic demeanor. These factors will likely make it difficult for jurors to conclude he had criminal intent. Finally, the two main sets of evidence summarized above, suggesting that Mr. By knew he was not allowed to keep classified notebooks, do not suffice to prove his willfulness beyond a reasonable doubt. The first set of evidence is that Mr. Biden, at his staff's insistence, stored his classified note cards in a skiff at the archives. And several months earlier, in the fall of 2016, he told Juanitzer, quote, they didn't even know I have this notebook. This could suggest that Mr. Biden concealed his notebooks from staff to avoid restrictions on his access to or use of them. But the defense will argue that this treatment of the note cards and notebooks is also consistent with an innocent explanation. Mr. Biden may have simply acquiesced to his staff's decision to store his note cards in the archive skiff, even though, as he suggested to his ghostwriter on April 26, 2017, that he, like Mr. Reagan and the Department of Justice before him, did not think he was required to do so. If that is what happened, Mr. Biden was not required to inform his staff that their, in his view, unnecessary advice could also apply to his notebooks. His failure to flag the notebooks for what he believed to be his staff's overly cautious treatment is not compelling evidence of willfulness. In the same vein, Mr. Biden could have concluded that the forms he signed about safeguarding classified information in the archive skiff were boilerplate paperwork that applied in most cases, but not to the handwritten materials of a former president or vice president, which historically have been treated as the former office holder's personal property. And he could point to McGrail's current understanding that the note cards were stored in a skiff simply to keep them secure, not because they were classified. The second set of evidence concerns the guidance on best practices that counsel Cynthia Hogan gave Mr. Biden in 2010 and 2011 about handling classified information and his decision after receiving this guidance to store the notebooks in a safe in the White House. This evidence, too, is consistent with innocence. By the time Mr. Biden left the White House in 2017, Hogan's guidance about storage in a safe was six years old, and Mr. Biden had long since stopped following it. The evidence suggests that he did not store his notebooks in a safe for the last several years of his administration, and no one in the White House raised concerns. While Mr. Biden may have recalled Hogan's advice and concluded that it meant he should not bring the notebooks home with him when he left the White House, there is no evidence he did so recall. And there would have been no good there would have been good reason for him not to think this way, especially since Hogan gave her 2010 advice seven years earlier during a meeting scheduled to last 10 minutes. And Mr. Biden had long since stopped following her advice, which Hogan told us would have reflected best practices rather than legal requirements. For these reasons, we do not believe the government could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Mr. Biden knew it was unlawful to retain his notebooks at his home after the vice presidency. Part C. The evidence does not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Mr. Biden willfully disclosed national defense information in the notebooks to his ghostwriter. We have also considered whether Mr. Biden willfully disclosed national defense information to Zwanitzer by reading certain passages of his notes, aloud and nearly verbatim, from national security meetings. Mr. Biden should have known that by reading his unfiltered notes about classified meetings in the Situation Room, 
he risked sharing classified information with his ghostwriter. But we do not believe the evidence supports charges of willful disclosure beyond a reasonable doubt. At least three times, Mr. Biden read classified notes from national security meetings to Zwanitzer nearly verbatim. The first two incidents involved the same notebook passage. On February 16, 2017, Mr. Biden appeared to explain to Zwanitzer that a notebook entry related to, quote, a long meeting on the National on the Security Council on it was probably classified, end quote. Mr. Biden had skipped over this entry entirely during a recorded conversation with Zwanitzer several months earlier in October 2016. But during the February 16, 2017 recorded conversation, Mr. Biden read aloud to Zwanitzer portions of the notebook entry that contained classified information. Two months later, on April 10, 2017, during another recorded conversation with Zwanitzer, Mr. Biden turned to the same notebook entry and read additional classified portions aloud, again nearly verbatim. He did so immediately after reviewing aloud highly emotional notebook entries about the death of his son, Beau, and other personal topics, which appeared on the pages right before the classified entry. This evidence shows that Mr. Biden disclosed classified information to Zwanitzer, who was not authorized to receive it. But the evidence falls short of proving that Mr. Biden did so willfully. That is, that he knew these notebook passages were classified and that he intended to share the classified information with Zwanitzer. During the February 16, 2017 conversation, Mr. Biden appeared to say that the meeting his notes summarized, not his notes themselves, probably was classified. Though it was foreseeable that Mr. Biden's notes about a classified meeting would themselves be classified, which they were, the evidence does not prove definitively that Mr. Biden actually knew that or that he intended to share classified information. <clears throat> this is reminding me, guys, sorry to comment, but this is reminding me of that Bedminster recording with Trump talking to the, uh, the authors and him referencing uh, stuff that was classified. I mean, it sounds exactly like it. And the media and Jack Smith are trying to say that Trump held up a classified map and held up classified materials and showed it to them. Therefore, he willfully distributed them, uh, this classified information, this national defense information to these people. It sounds just like it. This exact same setup. I have to, I can't, that can't be a coincidence. It can't be a coincidence that these allegations and these uh, micro stories about Trump's handling of classified information, marked classified information and national defense information. We got all these anecdotal stories about how he was handled and who he gave instructions to and what he said. I mean, it is so incredibly close to exactly what's in this report about Biden that it has to, there's no coincidence there. There's no coincidence. It's orchestrated. And that should be a white pill. That should be a really strong white pill to everyone. That it's, it's orchestrated to that end. Um, and it opens up some other questions like, well, it y'all know. This audience knows. I'm glad you do. The third incident happened on April 24, 2017, when Mr. Biden read aloud to Zwanitzer portions of a different entry of classified notes from a National Security Council meeting, also nearly verbatim. When Mr. Biden could not read a particular word entry in, 
when Mr. Biden could not read a particular word in the entry. He showed the entry to Zwanitzer, but warned him, quote, some of this may be classified, so be careful. I'm not sure it isn't marked classified, but Mr. Biden nonetheless continued to read aloud and nearly verbatim portions of the same passages um, of his notes, some of which remained classified at the secret level. Mr. Biden's decision to read aloud or to read notes nearly verbatim to Zwanitzer that Mr. Biden had just identified as potentially classified cannot be justified. But the evidence does not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he intended to share classified information. Mr. Biden told Zwanitzer he was not sure the notebook passage he read was classified. That is enough to create reasonable doubt about whether Mr. Biden acted willfully. There is also evidence that Mr. Biden took some steps to avoid sharing classified information with Zwanitzer. As explained in Chapter 5, Mr. Biden sometimes skipped over notebook passages to avoid reading classified information. And if called as a witness at trial, Zwanitzer would testify that Mr. Biden mentioned the need to be careful, quote, because he was worried there was a possibility that some of his stuff and written entries in the notebooks could be classified and that there were things he couldn't tell me, lines he couldn't cross. Given the intelligence and military officials present and the topics discussed at the meetings, Mr. Biden recounted for Zwanitzer, uh, Mr. Biden should have realized that his notes did or likely or were likely to contain certain classified information. But taken as a whole, the evidence will likely leave jurors with reasonable doubts about whether Mr. Biden knew he was sharing classified information with Zwanitzer and intended to do so. For these jurors, Mr. Biden's apparent lapses and failures in February and April 2017 will likely appear consistent with the diminished faculties and faulty memory he showed in Zwanitzer's interview recordings and in our interview of him. Therefore, we conclude that the evidence does not establish that Mr. Biden willfully disclosed national defense information to Zwanitzer. Um, this makes me really want to hear these recordings with Zwanitzer because her has several times pointed out Biden's diminished faculties and faulty memory, both in the interview with Zwanitzer, those recordings with him, and then also in hers interview with Biden. Um, I expect we're going to hear some excerpts from these guys. And they're not going to look good for Biden. All right, chapter 13, Analysis of Principles of Federal Prosecution Factors. Let's see, we're on page 253. I want to see... Just a moment, just a moment. I want to read this next chapter, but I need, I need, before I do, I need to check something real quick. Hope you guys are having a great day. Having a little bit of allergies after being at the park. That's no surprise. That's no surprise at all. Come on.
yeah, we're definitely going to read chapter 13. Yeah, yeah, we definitely are. And then we're going to stop because chapter 14 is a much larger chapter. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see how long these upcoming chapters were so I can kind of gauge a good stopping point. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely going to read this one. Okay, analysis of principles of federal prosecution factors. In addition to considering the sufficiency of the evidence, we have also evaluated all relevant considerations in aggravation and mitigation and determined that on balance, for both the marked classified Afghanistan documents and the classified notebooks, these factors do not warrant criminal charges. One, historical practice. While, while in office, the president and vice president, like members of Congress and federal judges, are exempt from the ordinary rules governing classified information that apply to almost everyone else. As discussed in Chapter 9, presidents and vice presidents are constitutional officers whose handling of classified information supports their Article II functions of conducting foreign affairs and providing for the national defense. After their time in office, for much of our nation's history, it appears that many former presidents and vice presidents knowingly retained information concerning national security without being subject to criminal investigations or charges until Trump. This historical record is important context for judging whether and why to charge a former vice president and president, or th he threw that in there, such as Mr. Biden for the same acts taken by several of his president's predecessors. <laughs> With one exception, there is no record of the Department of Justice prosecuting a former president or vice president for mishandling classified documents from his own administration. The exception is former President Trump. It is not our role to assess the criminal charges pending against President Trump, but several material distinctions between Mr. Trump's case and Mr. Biden's case are clear. All right, guys, strap in. My nose is all itchy. Let's see what her says about this. Unlike the evidence involving Mr. Biden, the allegations set forth in the indictment of Mr. Trump, if proven, would clearly establish not only Mr. Trump's willfulness, but also serious aggravating facts. So there's, again, he's saying, here's the evidence with, with Biden. With Trump, there are allegations. And if they're proven, then they represent willfulness and serious aggravating factors. If, if, that if is very important. Most notably, after being given multiple chances to return classified documents and avoid prosecution, Mr. Trump allegedly, allegedly did the opposite. According to the indictment, he not only refused to return the documents for months, but he also obstructed justice by enlisting others to destroy evidence and then to lie about it. In contrast, Mr. Biden alerted authorities turned in classified documents to the National Archives and the Department of Justice in 2022 and 2023, consented to the search of multiple locations, including his homes, permitted the seizure and review of handwritten notebooks he believed to be personal property, and in numerous other ways, cooperated with the investigation. I, some of this stuff, guys, I think is going to be proven to be false, and Trump is going to be, it's going to come out that Trump was much more willing to cooperate, did cooperate, did not destroy evidence, did not ask people to lie about destroying evidence. But right now, the allegations exist, of course. With respect to Mr. Biden's notebooks, 
the Reagan precedent provides an additional reason to forego criminal charges. The Department of Justice previously informed a court in public filings that Mr. Reagan's diaries were both currently classified and Mr. Reagan's personal records. Boom. That helps Trump a lot. This should give the Department of the, the Department of Justice pause before now concluding that Mr. Biden or Mr. Trump, it doesn't say that, but should, will be charged with a crime for retaining his own classified writings. Such an about face, without previous public warning, that is sharper than the relevant executive order and regulations would be seen by many to violate basic principles of notice and fairness. <laughs> and even though it is possible the department lacked knowledge of all the facts about Mr. Reagan, how Mr. Reagan stored his of diaries. Officials knew they contained classified information, information that Mr. Reagan was treating them as his personal records. And it appears no one ever asked how the diaries were, diaries were stored or made efforts to recover them. In the past 40 years, 12 men and women have served as president and vice president. Whoa, whoa. Women? I guess we have to count Kamala. As gross as that is. As wretched as that is. At least two, Mr. Reagan and Mr. Biden, have kept handwritten notes containing classified material at their homes after leaving office. It is quite possible that others had or presently have such handwritten notes in their personal possession to this day. We have not identified aggravating factors that compel bringing the first prosecution of such actions here. In reaching our decision, we did not consider every circumstance in which criminal charges against a former president or vice president for mishandling classified information may be warranted. But on the facts of this case, given the historical practices we have discussed, the evidence revealed in our investigation and the extent of Mr. Biden's cooperation, criminal charges were not warranted. Part two, other factors. We have also considered other factors the department traditionally applies when considering charges for the mishandling for mishandling classified information. Those factors are one, the volume of classified information and the manner in which it is stored. Two, the sensitivity of the information, including the level of classification and whether it is dated or recent. Three, reasons the person's person retain the information. Four, whether the information was disclosed to someone else and under what circumstances. Five, whether there is potential foreign nexus. Six, whether the person made false statements relating to the retention. And seven, other relevant aggravating and mitigating factors. While these factors cut in different directions on balance, they favor declining charges against Mr. Biden. The volume of classified information is not small. And while it could support a decision to be to bring criminal charges, a typo, to bring criminal charges, it does not require such charges. As for the sensitivity and recency of the information, the Afghanistan documents are relatively old and concern a conflict that is now over. The notebook entries contain some highly sensitive information that is more recent, dating as late as 2017. But Mr. Reagan also kept classified information at home in his diaries after his presidency. If Mr. Biden re retained the classified documents intentionally, he appears to have done so to defend his record 
and burnish his credentials to run for president. This factor counts against him. It is difficult to conceive of good reasons to risk the, na the nation's security by mishandling classified information and bolstering one's reputation. It's not one. There is no evidence that Mr. Biden shared classified information with any foreign person. As discussed in Chapter 12, though, he did share classified information with Zwanitzer by reading from the classified notebook entries to Zwanitzer nearly verbatim. These entries included entries um, concerning human intelligence sources, as well as well as entries that Mr. Biden had previously identified as classified or potentially classified. Mr. Biden's decision to take home notebooks knowing that as a whole they contain classified information and then read verbatim notes from national security meetings to his ghostwriter, recognizing those notes were at least potentially classified, counts squarely in aggravation. We cannot prove that Mr. Biden made any false statements related to this retention of classified information. As noted in Chapter 12, he provided one answer to our written questions that was not credible. That when he described his notebook entries to Zwanitzer as classified or potentially classified, he did not really mean classified. He merely meant private. But while incredible, we cannot prove this statement was false. Mr. Biden prefaced it by explaining that he did not remember the specific conversation in question, which occurred more than six years ago. And even if this written answer is a strike against Mr. Biden, the other instances of his cooperation with our investigation weigh heavily in his favor. Other aggravating and mitigating facts addressed in the Justice Manual also counsel against prosecution. At the time of any trial or sentencing, Mr. Biden would be well into his 80s, an age when relatively few people are prosecuted. He has no criminal record. He is highly unlikely to be sentenced to prison or assessed a significant fine. Any deterrent effect of prosecution would likely be slight. We are not concerned with specific deterrence, as we see little risk he will reoffend. As a general deterrence, future presidents and vice presidents are already likely to be deterred by the multiple recent criminal investigations and one prosecution of current and former presidents and vice presidents for mishandling classified documents. Mr. Biden had served the nation for nearly 50 years as president and vice president of the United States and a United States senator. On balance, his record of service also supports a decision to forego criminal charges. The practice of retaining classified material in unsecured locations poses ser serious risk to national security, given the vulnerability of extraordinarily sensitive information to loss or compromise to America's adversaries. The department routinely highlights such risk when pursuing classified mishandling prosecutions. But addressing those risks through the criminal law, the only but addressing those risks through the criminal law, the only means available to this office is not the proper remedy here. For the classified Afghanistan documents and the classified notebooks, we believe the evidence falls short of supporting criminal charges. And other factors that inform our decision under the principles of federal prosecution lead us to conclude that, quote, the fundamental interest of society do not require such charges. For these reasons, we decline prosecution. And that will conclude this episode. Um, we will pick up again. We have... 
120 pages left. Although, well, really we don't really we're, um, we have less than a hundred. We have like 95 pages left, 85 pages, I think, uh, because there isn't an, an appendix. So, um, interesting portion. I'm really liking this, her report and, uh, judging by you guys, comments, feedback, the views, the upvotes, um, and the coffees you're getting me y'all, y'all like it too. So, um, hit that thumbs up over on rumble, go to my Substack If you want an audio version of it, hit my support links in my link tree. If you want to support the show and, uh, y'all have a great day. Remember we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. And there's a lot to consider in this report. There's a lot of things. If you really, this is a, this is a great time to practice understanding is greater than reacting and to understand what is being said in this report and presented here and keep in mind how it applies to Trump's own doc case. And the more you do that, the just the better and better this report gets. So, God bless. Thank you. And I'll talk to you guys later. Hold the phone. I'm over here playing this music. And you guys can't hear it. I gotta fix that. Hold up. Hold up. You ready? You ready? Here we go. Three, two, one.
Feel the 